to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. This morning, we're continuing our mini-series in the month of October, November, excuse me, uh, that we're calling The Journey. And we're going through this psalm, Psalm 23. This psalm is arguably one of the most famous psalms of them all. Uh, I've, I've read this so many times besides hospital beds when people are sick or dying. I've, I've read this uh, when people are in need of comfort. I've read this over myself when I'm struggling with, with life and wanting to get my, my, my energy back. And so we're going to go through this. The beautiful thing about Psalms 23, it's designed to be read as a journey, as if it was the journey that all of us go through, and how if we're willing to submit ourselves to the wisdom that's found in this psalm that David gives us, that the ending of our lives is so profoundly beautiful, and that there's beauty in between the mix. So this morning, we're going to do something that actually is very traditional for most churches, but for us, the traditional is untraditional. And so I'm going to ask you as we read this psalm that you would stand, if you can, and that we're going to read it out loud together. But before we read it, I'd like for you to just take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. One more. And let's just be present with the word of God. So let's read this together on the screen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you are our shepherd. And that in that we have no need other than from you. We thank you that you are with us in the valley of the shadow of death. I thank you that in that we will know your goodness and that we will experience all of you and all that this life has to offer. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can have a seat. Here's what I find with this psalm is that everyone loves verses one through three. Scott got the easy message last week when he was talking about the first part, you know, because the first part is, it's wonderful. It's actually what brings us the comfort, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I have no needs. All of my needs are met. 
I, there's no desire. Everything that I could possibly know that I need is I know that it's going to be met. If I don't have it met yet, it's going to be met. And then, then he talks about lying down in, in green pastures. And so there's some sense of comfort and peace and rest. And then he says that you'll be lying beside still waters. And so now you're by the lake and you're having a good day out in the sun. And then he says, my soul is being restored. I mean, what David's describing here is like a day spa, right? And he says, this is the reality that we live in. And who doesn't want this, right? Who, who doesn't want to live in this reality? And I think this is why Psalms 23, it's so uh, refreshing to us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, lies, he leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. And then the next minute you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Isn't that just like life though? Have you noticed that? That one minute you are in green pastures, you're being led beside still waters, and the next minute you find yourself in the valley of the shadow of death. Because here's what I find, I don't know about you, here's what I find in my life, is that when I get to the space where I am lying down in green pastures, where I'm being led beside still waters, where my soul is being restored, I assume that that's just gonna be the new norm for life forever. Have you, know, have you found yourself there? where you just assume that this level of peace and tranquility and carefreeness should continue on until my death. And I, I think that we have this idea, even in modern Christianity, that we connect to Jesus and our life is just one upward climb into heaven. And that any problems or any stress or anything that comes along with it, that shouldn't be a part of our story. We, we think like, oh yeah, I went through that. Whew, now smooth sailing from here on out. Even, even the name of this, right, is, is daunting to us that he calls us, that the, the valley of the shadow of death, right? It's, it's a stark contrast from where David just took us before this. It's, it's, see, because it's not the valley of slight inconvenience. That would be one thing, right? It's not the valley of minimal disappointment. It's not even the valley of, of momentary struggle. It's the valley of the shadow of death. Who wants to go there? And yet we do find ourselves there. And we forget at times that in order to have the peaks of life, in order to have the moments where we are laying down in green pastures, where we are being led beside still waters, where our soul is being refreshed, that in order to have the highs, that we also get to experience the lows. That, that, that it's the lows and the valleys that remind us of, of the beauty of the highs at times when we find ourselves there. Otherwise, life would be just flat, and that for some of you, that might seem okay. Just may, let life be neutral until you've driven through Lubbock, Texas. And you realize what flat looks like. It's not very exciting. There's not a lot to look at. It's just flat. A couple years ago, Marla and I, we realized that we had not been on vacation in seven years. And so we decided that we were going to go on our first vacation. And we went to Cancun, as we talk about often. And we decided that we were going to stay in Cancun for 11 days, which sounds amazing, right? Who doesn't want 11 days in Cancun? And I remember on day six, I was in this pool overlooking this beautiful golf course, having waiters hand me drinks and food that was already paid for, all-inclusive. And I'm sitting there watching my children play. Tropical birds are flying on the horizon. And I just thought, why can't this be my life? Why can't this be my new normal? Why, why couldn't this be every day? 
And, and you know what? You know what happened as the the weeks, as the days went on. By day ten, I was a bit like, okay, this is too much. This is the, I've eaten too much. I've drank too much. I have been in the sun too much. I have swam too much. I need to get home. Ever been there before? Where you're like, I'm grateful for the vacation, but now it's time to get home. Because here's the thing, even the best things will eventually become meh when you find yourself there too long, when you find yourself taking advantage of them or taking them for granted. See, you can't stay there forever because the beauty starts to fade the longer that you're there. The valleys are actually required to inform us that we're living in the fullness of life. It's the ups and the downs that allow us to know that life is coursing through our veins. It's going back to Pomona that reminds you that Cancun was so beautiful. <laughs> and you cannot have the ups without the downs in life as we go through it. But the question that's most important that we are going to think through today is, who do we become in the valley of the shadow of death? Who is it that, that we are shaped into when we are walking through this valley? Because here's the thing. At times, when we find ourselves walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we make all kinds of assumptions that then inform who we become in the middle of the valley. See, because oftentimes, when we go through the valley, we either assume that the shepherd has left us, and that's why we're going through the valley of the shadow of death. Ever been there before? Like, life isn't turning out the way that it's supposed to be. It must be that God's left me. It must be that now this shepherd, who just a second ago was leading me beside still waters, who was making sure that my soul was refreshed, who was putting me in green pastures, must have run off somewhere, and now I find myself walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Or we assume that we did something. And now God is punishing us because now we're going through the valley of the shadow of death and it must be that he has abandoned us. And those conversations shape who we become in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. So finances get tight and we start complaining about how God has abandoned us. Our health takes a turn and we assume that God is punishing us. We, we find ourselves with emotional struggles and we can only see the darkness in the middle of that and we assume that we've been abandoned in the middle of this. Our relationships go wonky and we assume that we've been disconnected from the shepherd, that life gets hopeless and we assume that something has happened and so we start striving, we start complaining, we get into despair and hopelessness and depression and anxiety and all of that starts to form who we become. And it's easy to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and assume that God has left us, that the shepherd has forgotten about the sheep. But the name of this valley is actually so interesting to me. See, because in every epic story that has ever been told, there's always an epic valley. That's what makes a good story, right? I mean, when you think about some of the epic narratives that, that our culture has told, that our culture lives in, one of those, like the Lord of the Rings, for example, there's like this epic valley where, where Frodo is going into Mordor with all of the thousands of orcs there, and there is like a 0.000% chance that he will survive, 
right? And he's looking around and going, well, there's lava and there's about a thousand enemies with weapons and there's zero percent chance looks like that I'm going to survive this. And now I'm in the valley of that, right? It's Luke Skywalker who walks into the starship of the empire and he is surrounded by stormtroopers and, and the emperor is there and Darth Vader is there and he has nowhere to go and it looks like he is about to die and there's the valley of the shadow of death, right? This is Harry Potter where he walks out into the forbidden forest with Voldemort and all of the death eaters and there is nowhere to go but into death and it is horrifying. These are epic valleys that we find ourselves in and these narratives and these valleys, they're, they're filled with orcs and fire and they're filled with stormtroopers and Darth Vader and they're filled with Lord Voldemort and all of the death eaters and you know what exists in our valley? the valley that you and I go through, you know what is the scary thing that you and I face on a regular basis? Shadows. That's what we face. Because David didn't call this the valley of death. He didn't call it that. That would be intense, right? That would be something to be afraid of if we were going through the valley of death. But he doesn't call it that. He calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Some translations even call this the valley of darkness. So what we are actually facing is the darkness in here. Now, here's the thing. When someone says you're afraid of your own shadow, it's not a compliment, right? When someone says you're afraid of your own shadow, what they're saying is, hey, you're afraid of something that you ought not be afraid of, that you are living in unnecessary fear, that it's ridiculous that you would be afraid of your own shadow because shadows aren't exactly intimidating, right? I mean, compared to all of these other villains that exist in the valleys of other stories, shadows seem a little small, right? It's like, what's the shadow gonna do? You're gonna mess up my picture, right? <laughs> you might mess with my tan lines, you know? <laughs> oh no, it might be a few degrees cooler, right? Like, they're shadows. What on earth is a shadow going to do to us? So why on earth would David need to tell us to fear no evil? Because the shadows might get you. It seems silly. See, it would be one thing if we walked through the valley of death. It'd be another thing if we walked through the valley of intense suffering. It would be one thing if we walked through the valley of destruction or even the valley of torture. But this is the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of darkness. See, because here's the thing for us to be made aware of in this psalm is that what we are afraid of in our valleys or perceived valleys is not actually the death. It's the manipulation of the light that makes things look bigger and stronger than they actually are. Because that's what shadows do, right? Shadows manipulate the light. And in that, it makes things look a certain way. It, it blocks the illumination and it transforms something into something that might be bigger or distorted or out of, out of character than it normally would be. Now, we work with a lot of light in a theater, that's what we do. There's, there's lights in here. And those of you who aren't here beforehand, we do a lot of programming of lights. We have a projector up here that is casting shadows onto this projector. Now, see, if I was to stand here and talk to you, here's my shadow, right? Now, this is what I like to do with my boys because we play shadows at night is if I was to back up, I'd become much scarier, don't I? 
Now I'm a giant in front of you. And now there's something to fear where if I'm right here, there may not be as much to fear because the shadows manipulate the light. And it makes things appear as if they are bigger or stronger than they actually are. In 1 John 1.5, God describes himself as this. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declares to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. See, if God is light and in him, there is no darkness, then when we journey with him, there are no shadows. Because light actually dispels the shadows. There is only illumination around us. There is only radiance around us. There is only brilliance around us. That shadows ought not be a problem. In fact, the scriptures go on to say that his word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto my path. Got that reversed, but you get the deal. And here he is illuminating our way. He is constantly radiating light out for us so that our eyes can see, that our souls can see, that our spirit actually knows where we're headed, where we're moving. And now we're in the valley of the shadow of death. See, I'm going to ask you to consider that when we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, it's not that death has suddenly come to overtake us. It's that we've allowed something to get in the way of his light that we put something in front of his light that is now casting shadows on our hearts and our minds that manipulates our sight. So now we see things bigger, more scary, more strong, more powerful than they actually are. And the shadows then become more intimidating than what's actually over there. See, the problem when you're walking through the valley of darkness, when you're walking through the valley of the shadows of death, is that you actually can't see what's over there that's creating the shadow. All you see is the shadow. And now you're afraid of that. I remember when we first moved into what we now call the castle, which is just a few blocks over, which was our previous building. That place was designed to film horror movies at night, let me just tell you. I mean, that if there was ever a building that was handcrafted to kill someone in, that would be the building. And there were several times early on when I was responsible for going over there late at night to drop something off, pick something up. Now, I have a very interesting relationship with the dark, and so I already don't enjoy it that much. But I was the guy who had the key who got to go drop something off and pick something up. And I remember early on, very early on, when we found ourselves there, when we were still working on the light system in there, and we actually didn't have lights for about a week, I had to go take a box of books up into the offices for a meeting that was going to take place the next day. So here I am, I get my keys, I open the building. When you open that building, everything starts to creak. It's, I don't know what happens, but everything starts, it sounds like people are walking all around you. And so here I am walking up the stairs, I get to the top of the stairs, and I'm looking around, and all of a sudden, some light flashes in through the window outside, and there's a car clearly that's driving by, and I see an ogre at the end of the hallway. I mean, an, a literal ogre. Ah, right, right there. And in that moment, I threw the box of books as far as I could at the ogre, and I ran away. Now, as I'm running down the stairs, in my head, I'm telling myself, Nathan, that was your shadow. That was not an ogre. You saw yourself projected on the wall in front of you, go back up there like a 37-year-old man would do and pick up the books. But you know what I did? I called Leslie Garcia and I said, the books are on the ground. You can find them when you get there tomorrow. 
because I was not going back into that space because the shadows caused me to see things that weren't actually there and created a fear inside of me as to what I would do or not do in that moment about where I was going to give my power, how I was going to engage with the world around me. See, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what we're actually seeing is not what's there. We're seeing the shadow that is caused by it getting in the way of the light of God. And that is what causes us to fear. See, it's not the shadow of losing everything that causes us to fear, but it's the fear that causes us to lose everything. It's not the shadow of living a purposeless life that causes us to fear, but in the fear, we start living a purposeless life. It's, not, it's the shadow of being abandoned by people for good that causes us to fear, and it's in the fear of the shadow that we start to reject relationships around us. It's the shadow of the pain that won't heal, not the pain itself that causes us to fear, and then we find ourselves in more fear. It's the shadow of the danger that causes us to fear. It's the shadow of being alone that causes us to fear, not actually being alone. It's the shadow of death that causes us to fear, not actually death itself. The fear is never about the thing casting the shadow. It's about the shadow. See, because the shadows, whatever is causing it, is oftentimes small and insignificant, but the fear is created when we allow it to get in the way of the light that God is attempting to radiate to us when we are with him. And when it gets in the way of the light, we can now lo no longer move freely. And what it begs us to do is it begs us to imagine a future based on the shadow that has not actually been created. It hijacks our imagination and it tells us, you ought to be afraid of what is coming. You ought to be afraid of the future. You ought to be afraid of the potential danger that's coming. Even though you can't see it, even though you don't know it's there, even though you really don't really get a clear picture, you ought to be afraid because it's blocking the light that's available to you. Penn State did a study a few years back on worry and anxiety. And they asked people to write down all of the things that they worry about, like the things that they're pretty much sure are going to take place in their life that's going to take them out or going to take out their kids or going to ruin their life or going to ruin their future or going to take down their career. They just said, hey, list all of these things that you worry about, like what, that keep you up at night, that you're freaked out about, that, you, that, you, that give you anxiety, that cause you to fear, that, that live in the valley of the shadow of death. And then they followed up with these people five years later, this huge population of people that they were studying. And guess what percentage of the things people worried about actually came to pass? 8%. 8%. So statistically, the things that are casting shadows in our life that we make bigger and that we allow to inform how we are going to interact with the world around us, statistically, they aren't going to happen. And yet, we allow ourselves to be controlled and manipulated as these small, insignificant things get in the way of the light and inform us of this future that we're going to step into. I said I have a very complicated relationship with the light. As a kid, I was horrified of the dark. I mean, horrified of the dark. I, I refused to sleep in my room as a kid with the lights off. And actually, even having the lights on wasn't even enough for me growing up. And so 
what I would do is I would start in my bed and then I would get out of bed as soon as everyone went to sleep and I would lay down in the crack of my door, half inside, half outside, and I would put my pillow in the hallway and my body would be laying inside of my bedroom right in the doorway and I would be able to see down to my parents' bedroom so that if anything happened, I had direct eyesight to where my parents slept so that I could get to them quickly. Now, I don't know what I imagined was coming. I couldn't tell you. But I was afraid of the potential of what could be. And I just knew that if I could see my parents' bedroom, I would be okay. As long as I had an escape route over there, it would be okay. And I got to tell you, several years ago, when my parents sold their house, there's still an indentation in the carpet of where I slept for years and years and years because I was afraid of what might happen in the dark. But as long as I could see my parents' bedroom, I was okay. See, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, it actually doesn't matter what is casting the shadow. What matters is who you are with in the valley of the shadow of death. And at least who you are aware of that is with you in the valley of the shadow of death. Because you know what superpower defeats shadows? Light. And as long as we have the source of light available to us, the shadows lose their power. When there is illumination available, the shadows are no more. They dissipate. You can clearly see then whatever is casting the shadow and go, oh, that's not actually that big a deal. That's not going to take me out. That's not even that significant. There's not even a reason to worry about this. I know it's casting this massive shadow over here that is begging me like a siren song to step into the fear, but this is incredibly insignificant. Even death itself, when you are connected to the source of life, is incredibly insignificant. And see, this is what Jesus the source of light. This is who the God of light invites us into relationship with, with him. That we are in constant relationship with the God who is light. There is no shadow that should take us out or cause us to fear in the middle of that. See, even with death, see, this God of light is the God who came into human history as Jesus, and he lived among us and showed us what it looked like to love and to engage and to live this beautifully radiant life relationally with one another. And then he sacrificed himself on a cross for our own brokenness, for our own sin and our own darkness, and then he came back to life so that we could be in relationship with the light that our darkness would no longer be a problem as long as we are in connection with the light, that the shadows would no longer be something that would take us out because now I'm in relationship with the light. His light reveals what is so trivial, which is why I love the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians when he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, look, even death should not concern you. Now, I know that death begs to cast shadows all around you. But even when you're connected to the source of light, death seems so insignificant. Even that can't take us out. 
So even when death attempts to get in the way of light and cast shadows, its shadow has no hold on us. We have mastery over the fear that it begs us to give into because the light is with you. Do not let the shadows take you out because you are connected to the light. And this is the beautiful thing. It's not the light within you. You yourself cast your own shadows because you are not the source of light. But when you connect to this source of light, he actually enters into you. He becomes a part of you. That he enters into your heart and your mind and your body and he becomes the source that empowers you So you actually become radiant because his radiance lives inside of you. That your life becomes a source of illumination, not just for yourself, but for every single one around you when you connect to the God of light. So allow yourself to be illuminated and to step into the radiance of God that he has provided for you. But you have to trust, you have to trust that his light is there to dispel all the shadows. That when he brings his light, what he's not interested in is shaming you. He's not interested in illuminating illuminating all the parts of you that are broken and, and helpless. The only reason he would do that is to say, look, all that stuff is covered if you would step into the light with me. And that in that, all the shadows dissipate and we should fear no evil that we recognize that the evil that we fear is actually incredibly insignificant when we are connected to the light. And then, from that space, once the shadows have disappeared and they've dispelled, then his rod and his staff can comfort us. See, a shepherd oftentimes had, had two tools with them. They had a staff, and the staff was used to guide the sheep. It had usually like a crook on the end. This is where we get a candy cane from, a shepherd's staff. And the shepherd could get the sheep back into alignment when they needed to. Hey, you're getting out of line over there. Come back in. If there was a little lamb that was running away, he could grab it with the crook and he could bring it back to its mother. And so when we recognize, oh, I don't have to fear because he's actually guiding my path. That even when I start to fear and I start to waver off path, that his staff brings me back into alignment. That his staff redirects me back into the path that we're heading towards, to the green pastures, to the still waters, to the place where he restores our soul. He's leading us out of the valley of the shadow of death. But he would also have a rod, the shepherd. And this rod would be used to beat off any predator that came your way. So not only did he have a tool to to correct us, to move us back into the space where he's calling us into, but he had another tool that anything that was coming for the sheep was gonna die. Anything that was coming to the sheep to hurt them would be no more. Anything that was gonna attempt to take out the sheep was gonna be taken out first. And so now that the shadows are gone because now I'm connected to the light in this valley of the shadows of death, I can say, oh God, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But here's the thing, is that when you're still in the darkness, the staff of God will feel like control. It will feel like manipulation. It'll it'll feel like a threat to your freedom rather than an invitation into a life of liberation. That that we'll look at that and go, God, why why are you correcting me? And why are you asking me to do this? Why can't I do my own thing? See, in the light you go, oh, 
He actually has my best interest out for me. He's actually guiding me. He's not manipulating me. And, and then in, in the shadows, the rod looks like something that he's gonna beat us with. Like God's out to get us, that God wants something from us, that God wants to hurt us in some way. And when the light comes, we recognize, oh, that rod isn't actually for me. It's for all of my enemies. It's for the fear. It's for the doubt. It's for the hopelessness. It's for the enemy that comes in. It's for all the despair and the scarcity. God's like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. Because I am your shepherd and you will not want. I will make you lie down in green pastures. I will lead you beside still waters in the middle of this. And as we submit to his rod and his staff in the light, we can say, I will fear no evil. And we get to step into the glorious future that will come next week in Psalm 23. And that we will recognize the goodness of God all the days of our lives. I'd like for you just to close your eyes right now for a moment. I want you to just take inventory of the shadows that have been begging you to be afraid in your life right now. As you look out in your own valley of the shadows of death, what have been the shadows that have been asking you to give into a future that feels scary and hopeless, that feels overwhelming? It could be a relationship that you're wondering, is it gonna continue or not? It could be with your finances. It could be with your own just mental stability. It could be with your future. And you're thinking, I don't, I don't know if this future is gonna turn out. What shadows have been asking you to fear them. And I'm gonna ask you right now with those, those anxieties, those fears, all of those, those shadows that just feel overwhelming, they feel scary, like you wanna throw your books and run. I'm gonna ask you to just ask the God of light to come right now. Would you just invite him in? Just... You can even in your own way just invite the God of light into your own space, to your heart, to your mind. And would you ask him to illuminate what's actually going on? Would you ask him to illuminate his love? Would you ask him to illuminate his staff in your life, showing you that he is guiding and directing you? Would you ask him to illuminate his rod in your life that is destroying anything that would come at you? Would you just allow the light to flood you right now? And in allowing that light to come in, would you allow those shadows to dissipate? Would you allow them to, to make those shadows small and insignificant? And right now, would you ask him, God, would you fill me with your truth? Because the shadows will lie to you. They manipulate the truth. They manipulate the light. Would you just ask him, would you bring me your truth about this circumstance or this situation or this element in my own life that's begging me to be afraid? And just right now, would you receive his freedom in the light? It's the light that brings the freedom. See, because you've never walked through the valley of death. You've only walked through the valley of the shadow of death and his light will come and it will illuminate you. 
so that you can truly say, I will fear no evil for you and your light are with me. And this morning, if you're here and maybe you've not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you are without a source of light. Because I know, I know it's a nice idea to think that, that I just need to shine my light brighter, but what I've found and what I read in the scriptures is that I myself am not the source of light. I don't have it on my own. I need it. I need an external source. And that's what Jesus is. He came and he died and he came back to life so that he could be your source of light, that he could dispel your darkness so that you would no longer have to carry that around and it no longer would become a block between you and your source. And so this morning, if you're here and you would say, I have not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you're online and you're watching and you realize, man, I, I need this source of light. I've been walking in darkness for too long. This valley has filled with shadows. This is your opportunity. So if that's you here in the room and you're like, I'd love to connect to Jesus maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just raise your hand? No eyes looking around. Awesome. If you're online, you can just type Jesus in the comments. We'll know what you mean. And I'd like for you just to pray this prayer. I'd like for you to pray, dear Jesus, I know that there is darkness within me and I cannot illuminate it on my own. I know that you came and you died for me and you came back to life so that I could live. And so I make you Lord. I surrender everything so that I can walk in the light with you. I thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.